We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Up next, the latest on the Kansas State Wildcats from the guys of Three Maw, John Kurtz, Derek Young, and Cole Manbeck, who will get you caught up on all the things going down in Manhattan. The latest news, top stories, and insider perspectives to keep you in the know. Make sure to hit the follow button so you don't miss anything. Three Maw is proudly presented by Holiday Distillery and their vast assortment of spirits. And now, the latest episode of Three Maw. All right, welcome back to Arlington. We are live from Big 12 Media Days. John Kurtz with Cole Manbeck here from the Three Maw crew, and we have Big 12 Deputy Commissioner Tim Weiser, former athletic director at K-State with us. We are very excited to uh, chat with him. And, of course, all our coverage here and all our coverage all the time on Three Maws brought to you by our friends at Holiday Distillery. Make sure you get your Ben Holiday bottled in Bon Bourbon, your 360 vodka for your tailgates, you're hanging out at the lake this summer, whatever it is, they've got you covered. Great K-State folks that help support us here on the pod, so make sure that you support them as well. So. We have found a friendly face here. I know Cole, uh, Tim, has has met you before. This is my first time meeting you, but as a diehard K-State fan growing up, it's uh, it's great to meet you. Well, that's a, very kind of you. It's here. my yeah. pleasure to join you guys today. Anytime we can spend time talking about K-State, it's a good day for me. Yeah, well, we'll talk plenty about K-State. I'm curious, life in the new Big 12 as the as the Big 12 Deputy Commissioner, how is that going yeah, working with you know, it's Boy, it's been such an unbelievable change from what I've known the conference to be for the past 14, 15 years that I've been there. But frankly, as I look back on this first year with Brett, I think a lot of the change that we've experienced was probably something that we needed. Uh, you know, he brought in a completely different perspective, having not worked in the space, and and he really kind of challenged us to explain why we did what we do. Uh, and some of the times, our answers weren't really very good, at least in my way of thinking. I, other than we've just always done it that way, and that's not usually a great answer. So there's been so many things that. Uh, I found myself going, yeah, I don't know why we wouldn't have thought about doing it that way. This pro day idea that I think you guys probably heard about, yeah, you know, that's one that we should have years ago been thinking about the potential benefits there. But I think that's part of the reason the board made the choice they did to hire Brett because he represented completely different perspective and, and it's paid off for us. I, I really think we're a better conference today because of the things that he's done for us this past year. and. You know, who knows what the future holds, but I guess I really like our chances now because we've got a great group of schools, uh, potentially maybe adding schools down the road. 
but his vision and his idea of what a conference office should be doing, I think is a, is a healthy one for us. So it's a long answer, but that yeah. uh, that's kind of where we find ourselves. Yeah, well, it seems like one of his biggest strengths has been obviously the marketing piece no of this. Question. And, and the reputation of the conference has just completely changed in the last no question. two years. Yep. I mean, take us into like what that looks like on a day-to-day basis, what he's doing. There. Yeah, you know, and I think that that theme we heard it last year when he talked about a cooler hipper younger conference and i think all of us kind of looked around at what does that really mean what does that really say we're going to be about and i think what i've learned is in his mind the conference should be a part of the decision that kids make as to where they go and of course that would have not ever been a perspective i would have had because i always believed that kids make choices based on coach school, facilities. Now, a lot of that's changed. And uh, I was up in Omaha for the College World Series and I listened to a lot of the coaches and ADs up there that said, you know, not only is it not about me as a coach or our facilities, it's primarily about how much and how soon can I get money. And that dynamic has changed so much of what we do and in the conference office, I think him continue to try and drive the narrative of, hey, this is a conference that is going to do things differently, um, and we're going to be about more uh, of what the youth are thinking about and looking for when it comes to making a choice about where they continue their education. What are your thoughts on realignment looking forward and also looking back, Tim? I mean, you were at K- AD at K-State 2001, 2008, and looking at how the landscape has just completely changed. I mean, the Big 12 had a, a perfect league from a geographic footprint, and so many things have changed. What, what are your thoughts on what's transpired and now looking ahead into the future? Well, that's, man, I could talk for hours on that because, um, you know, I'd be lying if I said that there wasn't a number of times that I found myself really discouraged and disappointed about not not just the decisions that were made, but how they were made. Um, and, it, and it felt at times a little bit like we had been b- betrayed. But then as times passed, and I've spent more time looking back on it, you know, there was, there was some decision making that Texas and certainly Oklahoma most recently uh, made that maybe if I were in their shoes, I would have had to think about and consider. Uh, you know, I continue to maintain that the choice Texas made wasn't a financial one because we all know what Texas resources are like. I think theirs was more about affiliating with a group of schools that on a given Saturday, they would rather get beat by Alabama than they would Kansas State <laughs> or Florida than Iowa State. Or, you know, that. I think was really what was driving the way they looked out down the road. And in Oklahoma's case, I'm not as convinced that that was the issue for them. I think they were more of what I would call uh, the reluctant bride that kind of felt like, wow, if we don't go, what happens to the Texas OU football game, basketball, you know, all the things that we know from an OU and Texas standpoint are really important. So I kind of felt like if I was in Oklahoma's case, it would have been hard for me not to think about the long term. And don't we want to be affiliated with Texas and now these other schools? I think time will tell. But, you know, you look at Missouri, it's hard to really say that 
they've benefited from a competitive standpoint. Uh, Nebraska, I don't know that you could make the argument that they've benefited from a competitive. They probably have both benefited financially, but Colorado, you know, I, clearly they haven't benefited from the Pac-12. A&M may be the one school that probably could make the best argument about they've benefited from it, but the motivation they had to leave was exclusively about getting away from Texas, and now here yeah. they are yeah. in a year right back in the same situation. So that's a long way of saying, you know, the past has kind of – it's ebb and flowed for me in terms of how I look at it. But going forward, I think, you know, I'd be shocked if we don't add additional members at some point in the future. And I don't think it's as much about whether it's two more, four more, six more, one more. I think it's really going to be driven more by – what schools are available and if they can really benefit us from a a tv contract standpoint to where we can get an additional pro rata share because of that particular school joining i think that's going to be part of it i think there is some desire to look west uh, and try and recognize that you've got a byu now that maybe it makes some sense for us to have a travel partner in or around that location so if I were betting, I would tell you I think it's more likely than not that we'll add additional schools in the future. What, what are your thoughts, Tim, on basketball-only schools as well? And like a Gonzaga, I'm not, I don't want to get you to yeah. name schools individually, but I'm thinking like a Gonzaga, UConn, potentially that have been basketball powers and maybe their value yep. that they might bring to yep. a league that maybe has been understated in college athletics. Yeah, so, uh, well, the first thing I would tell you is, you know, the one thing that I don't think we're lacking for in this league is good basketball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think we've got the best basketball of any conference. Now, does that mean you shouldn't consider adding and getting even stronger? No. I think you probably should think about those things. But the way to this point, the TV contracts have always viewed football and basketball is for every dollar that they provide a conference, they've typically suggested 75 cents of it is driven by football. So to add somebody with basketball only from that standpoint may not make a lot of sense. Now, maybe the mistake we've been making all these years is having uh, a negotiation that includes football and basketball. And perhaps the times come where we say, hey, when we renew our contract in seven years, five years, we're gonna separate the football out from the basketball because we think basketball should be 50 cents of the dollar as opposed to 25 you know then maybe it does make sense to do that but the problem with any school like a Gonzaga if it was just basketball I suppose you could make some financial sense that men's and women's basketball but that's not what those schools are looking for they want all their other sports to join too and then the existing schools are saying wow, flying my baseball team, softball team, volleyball team, whatever it might be, all that way and miss that much class time and spend that much money, and it gets to be hard to make sense of. Yeah. Well, one thing I want to ask about, I mean, the way things have been kind of pitted in the media, it's like this Big 12 versus Pac-12 sort of adversarial relationship. What is that like actually behind closed doors within the league? Yeah, you know, that's it's funny because uh, it felt like for the past – three or four years, it was always about the Big 12 being sort of, are they going to make it? Are they going to survive? What are they doing? What's happening? 
And in the matter of, it seems like months, the narrative has flipped so much to the Pac-12. What are they doing? Are they going to survive? Are spools going to... So, you know, there's a part of us that lived through when we were in the barrel going, ah, it's kind of nice to have another conference try and defend themselves yeah. on all fronts. In terms of, you know, how it feels day to day in our office, I, I got to tell you, the ADs that I'm friends with in the Pac-12, I, I don't know that any of them are necessarily feeling like it's uh, our attempt to undermine what they're doing. I think it's more about recognizing that if something happens out there and there's a decision that they no longer feel like it makes sense to associate with that group of schools financially, geographically, that here's an option that is worth thinking about and considering. And so that's how I think most of the time the conversations have been going. I can't speak to what Brett and George, the two commissioners, may have shared over the uh, past year, but you know clearly they're in a, a different spot than the Pac-12 has been in in a long time and trying to understand what their new TV uh, media rights deal is seems to be one of the great secrets of college athletics right now. Nobody seems to know exactly what they do or don't have. Uh, what I tell people is I, I just know that if we had something really good to talk about from a media rights standpoint, we'd be screaming it at the top of our, every mountain we could find. And sometimes that silence suggests the opposite. So I think it'll be interesting to see when media days take place, how, how that plays out and exactly what happens there in terms of their announcements. Folks, I got to interrupt today's podcast to tell you about our friends at Home Field Apparel. Those guys over there in Indianapolis, they are making the cream of the crop when it comes to officially licensed collegiate apparel with vintage and frankly awesome college designs from one of John's favorites, the uh, Copper Bowl 1993 T to one of my favorites. I love the lavender when it comes to the K-State stuff, the old school Wildcat with the Wildcat script across the chest. They've got great designs over there at Home Field Apparel. And you guys are no strangers if you listen to the Three Mile Pod about Home Field because as John says, he sees them all over Manhattan with these designs. And you got to get stocked up for the season, whether it's basketball, whether it's football. They've got the designs for you. So head on over to homefieldapparel.com. Go look out their Kansas State section. But they're more, much more than just Kansas State. they got over 150 schools there. So if you do want to reach out, branch out, support some other schools, just get some really cool designs from some other schools, go check out all of their other collections there. But make sure to go to homefieldapparel.com. Stock up for the season. Make sure to get everything you need so you're not wearing the same shirt to the bill every single week. That's homefieldapparel.com. Go check them out. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Yeah, I've got just one more. Now, this has been great. I love talking conference realignment here, and I do want to get to K-State. But the last thing I would ask is just, you know, the, everyone's chasing the Big Ten and the SEC financially right now. And I know Brett just said at the podium, we don't want to think about trying to compete with other conferences. But what is, like, what do you guys view as a realistic kind of financial ceiling in terms of a payout for each team or how, how close you could get to that number or just how that's going to, to shake out? Boy, financial ceiling. I'm not sure there is such a thing. I really – I it, it – in my 40 years in this profession, it has never been about pulling back on revenues. There have been times where we've had to pull back on expenses, but it's always been about spending more, building more, paying more. And now when you throw in the NIL piece, I mean, I just think it's going to continue to go. I, I'm trying to remember what we were getting from the Big 12 when I was at Kansas State. I want to say it was in the 8 to $10 million a year. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. And so, look at, you know, that's 15 years ago. Here we are distributing in the 40s, and what the SEC and the Big Ten are spending or are, are distributing is even more. I, I'm not sure. It's going to be hard for anybody to catch up to the Big Ten and the SEC. There's just so many advantages they have in terms of eyeballs and competitive success and network uh, opportunities. I think it will be difficult, but that doesn't mean we still can't be in a good place. Uh, if it was always about who spends the most money, uh, Texas should be winning championships in every sport, and they don't because it's more than just about money. So I think that's why you see the K-States uh, and the TCU. I mean, those are the stories that I really enjoy, and that's pro- probably why I enjoyed my time at Kansas State because it was, you know, we all knew what our resources were and weren't, uh, but man, that didn't keep our kids from wanting to compete and our coaches from working hard. And when you had that success and got those championships, it seemed all the more special. As, as a K-State fan, obviously, realignment has been scary at times, you know, no and where they're going to end up potentially. And now it, it certainly feels a lot better to not be the hunted yep. anymore as a K-State fan. But what, what do you think K-State, like a school like K-State's value is from a national, you know, people like to say flyover country, stuff like that, Manhattan, Kansas, not a huge population, but they've been successful. Yeah. K-State and, has won. And, and how much does that matter absolutely. when it comes to the, the money aspect? I, I think that is the most important thing. You know, can you change your location? I mean, the perception of it being a flyover state has existed since I was born and raised in Kansas. It's just part of the narrative. But... It sure hasn't hurt KU from a basketball standpoint, you know, and it hasn't hurt Kansas State from a football, basketball, you name it. So I think 
you know, there's probably a little bit too much placed on that piece of it, and it should be more about the competitive piece of it. You know, I got to believe Washington State and Oregon State are sitting there feeling a lot like Iowa State and Kansas State and Oklahoma State felt a few years ago because there's the same kinds of issues in those uh, institutions and, and cities yeah. that we were dealing with. So you, you kind of have to move past that and talk about, okay, we're not going to be able to do and change anything on that front, but that shouldn't keep us from winning championships and going to bowl games and going to the NCAA tournament and all the things that we've seen K-State do. A hypothetical question, had Bill Snyder won a national championship, which he was right on the doorstep multiple times, do you think that would have changed the way K-State is viewed in terms of market value, having had that next to their name in a, a sport like college yeah, football? Yeah, I, I think it would have for a period of time. You know, I, I think you could even probably grab people in here and say, hey, who, who won the national championship last year? People's memories don't last as long as you think, whether that's football, basketball, whatever. So, yeah, it probably would have mattered for a time uh, that, that K-State was able to say we won a national championship in football. But if you continue to then go back to winning conference championships, but you didn't get back into a championship uh, game again, I'm not sure it would have. Maybe the local donations or the the, yep. the school would have benefited, but I'm not sure there would have been the national narrative at that point. Yeah, well, I think I think it's very true, unfortunately, and and we wish the K State obviously could have gotten there. Hey, but there's still there's still a future yep. now. Yeah, right? yeah, and, there is. And yeah. I, I got to tell you, I feel very good about Coach. I just think he's such a great fit, and watching how his team performed last year, I'm. I'm bullish. I guess it's the, the purple blood that still runs through me, but I'm very bullish on K-State football and basketball and, and the yeah. sports that they're successful in like that. So who knows what the future may hold. We may have yet more fun in yeah. front of us here. Well, that, that's the funny thing. You say you feel good about coach. That could be speaking Which to either one? football yeah. or men's no basketball question. right now with how no things question. are going. There's no question. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. Sure. What is your best or favorite Bill Snyder story? It's a good like behind, peek behind the curtains at what working with Bill Snyder was like. <laughs> Wow, boy, favorite Bill Snyder story. You know, oh my gosh, some the story that I'm sure all of you have heard preceded me about the two pads of butter versus you know that that story. I still find myself smiling when I think about. But you know, I can think of so many times that I would be visiting with Bill about maybe not a football specific issue, but a department issue that we were dealing with basketball maybe I can't remember what the topic would be but it always felt like I was talking with somebody who was more than just a football coach that he really cared about the rest of the department and the success that they had and you know that the drama that I went through at the Fiesta Bowl with L Roberson and and the difficulties that created I remember being uh criticized by some of the local media in Phoenix because I allowed Bill Snyder to have basically the uh, ability to determine what he felt like was the right way to handle L because it really at the end of the day it turned out to be a, a, a curfew violation more than what at the time the law enforcement people would have suggested and I said at that time and I still believe it today how can you trust a coach with a football program that has done what ours has done and then when you have 
this challenge say, yeah, but I don't trust you now. You can't. You can't do that. And in the end, you know, we made as good of a situation as I think we could have considering the circumstances. But that story, I tell you, because of how I felt across the years I was there, Bill handled situations and talked to me about what he thought in this given situation and the politics on campus or whatever it might have been. So those stories maybe don't bring a smile to your face, but I'm going to tell you, as an AD that was constantly worried about the next dollar and trying to figure out how we were going to do this and that, it was comforting to have somebody that you knew was looking beyond just the football program. What was it like for you and your perspective when you start hearing, hey, he may want to retire, and you're thinking about not only like the, the, the crazy prospect of trying to replace him, but also like what's happening in the moment and just what, what were your emotions when you found out? Oh, it was, uh, you know, certainly anxiety at the highest level because I, I just couldn't imagine a future without Bill Snyder. But as, as we know, nothing lasts forever. And we all have expiration dates. And the first time he and I had a discussion about it, it was on the heels, I can't remember what season, but we finished the year I, I think we we were bowl, we didn't go to a bowl that year. We lost to Nebraska, I think, at the end of the year. And I knew his frustration level was exceedingly high about how the year went. And so when we talked about it just shortly after the season ended, I was convinced that it was more about his current frustration with the season that just finished. And so I, I encouraged him to take some time and really make sure that this is something that isn't just about the past season and to his credit he came back a few weeks later and it was yeah you're right I'm, I'm ready to go uh, and it was about the season so I'm, I'm ready to turn the page and move on to the next well of course I was relieved to hear that uh, I wasn't interested in January looking for a new football coach but it planted the seed for me that you know there's a day coming maybe it's not going to be for a couple of years but it's closer than what I thought and that that created you know a different mindset for me in terms of how I was going to proceed over the coming months years and figure out what our next step was going to be we'll, we'll get you out of here in just a few minutes no, Tim. Good. thank good. you so much for the time sure. you're incredibly gracious with it when Bill did retire in 2005 did, did you get any sense that he immediately regretted it in the aftermath or anything like no that? you know I I stayed in touch with him occasionally and we would talk about how he was spending his days, but I knew full well that even though he thought, and you guys remember the comments that he made about an opportunity to become a better husband and a father, yeah. you know, the things that in my mind were exactly true about how he was feeling. But I also knew at the time for a guy who was 24 seven on football, and it didn't matter what time of the year, he was in the office, he was watching film, he was doing, you, know, you don't go from that to zero and not have some, what is, what's happening here? What am I doing? How's, I mean, I just think it's, it's natural for any coach and it's too bad that our profession doesn't provide for sabbaticals like higher education does because I think ADs, head coaches would be benefited by having a year to kind of start thinking about 
how this will work and how I will make adjustments to it because it's not just Bill, but I've seen this happen with so many coaches and how they handle a life outside of their head coaching duty. It's tough. It's tough for them. And, and I knew Bill was going to experience that same experience. What was it like for you watching him turn it around a second time <laughs> and coming back? I mean, who could be surprised after what he did the first time? I mean, it, honestly, he had more resources and more of an opportunity the second time than he did the first time. I, I think even though it wouldn't have been easy either time, that first time, I mean, there was no success to build on. It was kind of the, the desert, and he was trying to construct an oasis there with no vision of how, how could he possibly do that. Well, when he came back the second time, I, I just didn't think there was any way he wasn't going to be able to flip the, yeah. the mindset and the narrative of the kids and, of course, the fans. You knew that they were going to be right back front and center. But, but again, I mean, as much as we want to think everything will last forever, it just it can't. And yeah. we have to be uh, have a little bit of a <coughs> reality check when it comes to knowing that there's a future. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Entertain. Educate. Inform KC Sports Network. Well, I know that the timing of this question, not the greatest. He's going through some tough times right now. But I look back on it and think one of the most significant hires that K-State has made in the last 20, 30 years was hiring Bob Huggins for the men's basketball program to jumpstart that. And everything that's come after that seems to be you can trace it back to the momentum that that program got there. What, what was that time like in making yeah, that Yeah, boy, that, that's another one I could talk hours on. You know, it, so what bothered me most about the current state of our basketball program at that time is it felt like we had reached a point within our fan base that close losses were okay moral victories were that's okay that's okay and you know the proud tradition that k-state had was really rooted more in basketball historically than it was in football and i remember the jack hartman days and the success that he had and you know, it really bothered me that we had gotten to the point where we were okay with that kind of place. So when we made the decision to make a change, I had Eddie Fogler, who had, of course, been the head coach at Wichita State and Vanderbilt and South Carolina, and I had a long-time relationship with him. And I said, Eddie, look, I'm willing to consider anything and everything we need to get this thing done right. And so... Greg McDermott was uh, somebody that we thought about, and frankly, I knew Greg and felt like from a fit standpoint, he would have been a great fit at Kansas State. But before I could get too far down the path, pretty sure it was Iowa State that made the choice to hire him. I think yep. he was at Northern Iowa maybe yep. at that time. Yep. So kind of felt like, okay, well, that would have been what I considered to be a good fit for us, but let's see what else. So Eddie calls me. And he says, oh, I, I need you to be open-minded. And I said, what does that mean? He said, I just want you to trust me. Uh, I've got somebody I want you to meet and spend time talking to. And I said, okay, who's that? And he said, Bob Huggins. And I said, no way. There's absolutely no way. That is not an option. He said, no, I don't really think you know him. Just, just spend an hour with him. And so Eddie and I, and I'm trying to think who else might have been with me, went to Indianapolis and spent a good what was supposed to be a couple of hours turned into four hours. And I mean, I peppered Bob with some really difficult questions about how it ended at Cincinnati, the DUI, you know. All. And to his credit, 
he owned it all. He didn't back away from any part of it, didn't blink on any of these questions, and he was so engaging. And I thought, you know, if ever there was a time I could roll the dice and take a chance, now is it. The K-State basketball program deserved that kind of a roll of the dice. I was at a point in my career where I felt like I could take that chance. And honestly, I probably wasn't as prepared for what that did from an immediate jumpstart, I think was the way you put it, and how all of a sudden he was the mayor of Aggieville or you know the, all the different things that came along and the immediate interest from our fans. And I, you know, I was so unprepared for that kind of immediate reaction. I knew he'd win. I mean, you don't win as many basketball games. As, it was just how we were going to manage this and how we were going to get through it. And then, of course, it ended way too soon for my benefit. But I also knew when I talked with him about it, hey, I made the choice to come to Kansas State because it was home. Why shouldn't he have the same opportunity to go back home to West Virginia? And so I, I kind of understood it. It took me a couple of years to get to the point where I wasn't as bitter about it. But, you know, given what Frank then quickly was able to do, it kind of felt like Bob's fingerprints were still on the program and he was still yeah. benefiting our basketball uh, futures. And I, I would have to agree with you. I felt like it was a seminal moment for K-State basketball in terms of getting back that interest, that pride, that belief that we're more than just moral victories here and close losses aren't acceptable. And so now to see how things uh, are going for him, you know, it kind of breaks my heart. I just, I certainly don't know all the circumstances, but I went to his induction last September into the Basketball Hall of Fame and we had such great conversation and I've sensed at that point that he wasn't far from retirement, but he's an exact duplicate of Bill when it comes to, you know, you, you don't turn that world off yeah. and expect that it's going to end easily and smoothly either. And so part of this, I just wonder if it's rooted in uh, what, what am I going to do? I, you know, that's all I've known yeah. and this is my alma mater and this is my home. So, you know, I hope I hope things sort themselves out for the good, but that doesn't diminish what I think was uh, the right thing for Kansas State basketball when we hired him. I'm so glad you hired him because growing up, I took a lot of pride in K-State basketball, but I'd never seen him win. And it's so much fun to watch what Bramlage Coliseum has become and the atmospheres and the winning atmosphere that's been developed, three Elite Eight, elite eight since you hired yep. him, just the fun at Jerome Tang. It changed the culture of K-State basketball and the fan base, the apathy was gone. Yep. So. Yep. I, I'm so glad you hired him. Did you get a sense that, like, how conflicted do you think Hugs was when you talked to him and President Weefald about leaving when you had conversations? Oh, I think he was. I think he was really uh, struggling with it. You know, he. I remember specifically, specifically him saying, "Now Jerry West was calling me, saying you got to come home. You got to come home. How do you say to Jerry West? No, I don't want to come home.' And I, I thought, yeah, I understand that. But you know, we took a lot of criticism when we hired him for giving him a second chance. And in some ways it kind of felt like, uh, so we got both the front end that we got beat up on and now because you're leaving early, we're getting beat up on the back end. And, but at the time, you know, it still felt like he had done for our basketball program and got us to a point where, okay, we can take those couple of years and build on it. and maybe keep that momentum going and 
credit to Frank Martin and what he did, that happened. So, you know, I can't tell you that there's any part of that decision I regret. There isn't. I, I'm, I'm glad we made that choice. Clearly it was a risk. Uh, but, you know, I, I tell people that one thing I've learned about hiring anybody, coaches, administrators, whatever, sometimes, not always, but sometimes people on their second chance are better bets than people on their first chance. Yep. And I felt like, at least at that time with Bob, he knew what we had in the way of expectations from a behavioral standpoint, how we wanted the program running. And frankly, Manhattan felt to me like a good place for him to re-enter the coaching profession and try and build back uh, you know, his legacy from what it was at Cincinnati before it all kind of went south on him. Fun one for me, and John may remember this. Uh, I was on the KSU message boards back in the day when you were going through the, the hiring process for Bob Huggins. People that don't know, you're an avid hunter, fisherman, outdoorsman. Is it true that there was a Cabela's gift card presented to you uh, to hire Bob Huggins as uh, wow. appreciation, a token wow. of appreciation? It, yes, yes, <laughs> it, it is true. And and I will tell you, I still enjoy that shotgun more than any other shotgun that I have. So, <laughs> yeah, but uh, uh, that's the kind of, that's the part that so caught me off guard is it, it just felt like there was so much pent-up interest and yep. demand for K-State basketball to matter again. And I knew that for me, I knew that was the case, but I had no idea it was to the extent that it turned out to be from the fan base. Yeah. While your sources are good, I didn't think very many people knew that story. <laughs> it was on the it was on the message boards. Yeah. Today, Who, whoever said, that hey, came yeah, from, man. Uh, wow. Sorry to put you on the spot with no, that no. one, but uh, no, no, I, I, I do I do remember that, and they they uh, they knew exactly what mattered to me. Cabela's yeah. was my go-to. They, they place. put it they put in their uh, their research on that, and if I were you, I'd get that shotgun put up because that that hire is what changed the culture at K-State basketball. And as I think about it, I have such a great appreciation for you in doing that because like, I'm sure you take a sense of pride now in watching K-State basketball and, and where the program has you gone. No, there's since. no question. I, and, and what Jerome's done, I mean, I, I went and watched them beat uh, Kentucky last year yep. and watching how many fans were there supporting them and how all of a sudden now, here's K-State basketball on the same stage with Kentucky yeah. basketball and beating them. Right. It's like, you know, so yeah, I, I do take pride, but I, I tell you that those years that I had at K-State, certainly there were some down times, the L. Roberson story that I mentioned to yep. you, you know, there, there were some things that were difficult, but there isn't anybody that works as an AD at any school that's not going to experience some of those down moments. But in the big scheme of things, I, I had way more. Uh, good things happened to me, and I was blessed beyond measure in my time there. It was it was really a great experience, and so I'm hoping to spend more time in Manhattan as time goes on, and get back and hopefully get that shotgun out and start shooting some more pheasants. <laughs> yeah. I I've got one more, and I know this is terrible order in how we did the questions here. We should have finished with what we did before I asked this, but you've been so open, and I just appreciate your, your candor and all this. How do you reflect on the Ron Prince hire and just what that was like trying to replace a le I mean, that's an unenviable task for anybody to yeah. try and make that hire. Well, you know, obviously it was disappointing um, how that played out. Uh, I, I knew, uh, and John Weefold, God rest his soul, knew, that that choice was a risky one. Um, 
and partly is because he had never been a head coach. Anytime you hire somebody that's not had head coaching experience, there's an element of risk there. Um, so what, what I struggled with more was how it ended uh, for me because, you know, my time there, I, I was hopeful that Ron was going to be able to continue to grow in his head coaching uh, experience and that he'd rely on a great staff, which by the way, he had yeah. some great great coordinators yeah. there, but what I wasn't as prepared for is his management of staff, how he dealt with kids, you know, left a lot of disappointment for me. And then, you know, at the end, I, I was starting to see signs where I'm not sure this is going to get better. And uh, the only worst thing to do if you've made one mistake is to make a second mistake and so I was convinced that we hadn't seen enough to really warrant an extension and a new contract and uh, and others felt differently uh, at the university level and so I just didn't feel like I could in good conscience continue to to be the athletic director there and take responsibility for a football coach staff program that I wasn't convinced was going to lead us to the right place and you know I wanted to finish my career at Kansas State there's no two ways about it that was the reason I took that job was to finish up there but it was the right thing for me to leave it was the right thing for K-State to find somebody else and maybe they saw the Ron Prince thing in a way that I would never see it but uh, it was time for me to go and uh, and I don't regret my time in the conference office, had, had a great experience there too. But, uh, but yeah, that would have been yet another one of the disappointments uh, from my time at Kansas State. Yeah. Well, let's end on a high here. What are what are your favorite spots in Manhattan that you uh, that you missed from back in the day? Well, I can think of some really good dove spots that I used to go out and shoot shoot dove with a lot of good good guys there, Kelly Briggs and some of the others that I spent time with. You know, that, that's the part that I probably enjoyed as much about Manhattan was the outdoors and just the opportunity to hunt and fish and and of course I still had family in Great Bend at that time and and could get out there easily to see my mom and my sisters and so all of that added up to uh, you know a great fit for me my kids would say even though my son was born in Tennessee and my daughter was born in Wichita Kansas I think they would both say home is Manhattan I think they would both feel like that was their home which gives me great comfort of all the places we've lived I'm glad that they can say that Manhattan is their home so there's a lot for me to be thankful for but uh, great place great people and of course the future is very bright with uh, what Gene's done and the coaching hires that he's made and I'm excited for the football season to get here hey let's do it we'd love to see you there for a game Looking forward to it, guys. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much, Tim, for My doing pleasure. This. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.